2: are listening to Dark Becomes Light with me Heidi Hollis on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. <laughs> Welcome to my show. Remember each week this is the place you go to when you want to hear the latest in personal paranormal terror stories, adventures, research investigations i mean from angels to aliens shadow people to hat man this is the place i like to get your emails your stories whispers legends whatever it is that you've ever come across and share it with us go to my main website which is heidihollis.com or shadowfolks.com yes i have that second one because people often misspell my name uh I figure this will cover it. Um, <laughs> tell me all the details, because the bigger the email, the better. I mean, honestly, we like to dig into them. I am not... Uh, <laughs> everybody, like, apologizes. I'm so sorry this email so big. I'm like, oh, please, carry on. If I have to put the whole show to your giant email, I will so do it, and I have, haven't I? Honestly, I, I think that was so... <laughs> That was so cool when I got one that big. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, very, very cool. And you know what? I got to tell you guys, you're in for a fabulous show today. I have Dr. Simeon Hine. He is a director of the Nonprofit Institute for Resonance. Mm-hmm. He studies subtle energy science that includes all sorts of things like crop circles and um, uh, remote viewing. And oh, man, it's it's so cool i i like when people like put a fresh coat of paint on a topic or subject matter that we've heard before right and we're like oh gosh not that again but but hold on they're coming at it differently and it's like they're noticing hello patterns what do we like on this show patterns things that start to become common when you're speaking about one particular subject uh, or experience. And, uh, you know, and I just like kind of talk it out here with you guys here, even though you're not here, here, you're kind of here. And so I'm, I'm giving you credit for that comforting feel that you give me while I'm talking on this stuff. (laughs) Otherwise I'm just talking to myself, Mm. but, um, yeah. So anyways, I kind of reason out some of the things that, that you guys send in. Right. And, uh, and, and we, discover these patterns but of course I've been doing this for oh a long time and uh so I've noticed patterns even with some of the paranormal things that I've experienced you know that couldn't be explained away and I'm like hold on you know this is about where you get those chills right and and you look around and you look for the exit and you start running and then you fall um yeah that's uh that was that's a pattern uh, or that's the pattern of many horror films. I mean, oh my gosh, I I don't even know how to express. I've said it a million times. Horror movies for myself and my siblings were like therapeutic devices because we lived in a haunted house and watching a horror movie actually just like let us know that at least people had an idea what it's like. And it sounds so odd, but man it, it was just so helpful like and and then it but then it was like a movie wasn't a movie unless it was a horror film I mean I don't care how, how bad it was either it's that's pretty awful um but it, it's true it's true um that was me and uh my my two sisters we did that all the time just like oh yeah yeah I remember that oh the spinning head thing was cool <laughs> just kidding so anybody's head was spinning that's uh that's pretty horrible um so yeah anyways um yeah so I like when people take these fresh approaches and uh you know it's this is what we need this is how we break down these uh mind barriers to understanding the paranormal and uh yeah so I don't know I I I mean I I think it's uh it's fascinating it's fascinating and uh yeah so I think you guys are gonna enjoy this conversation but I have an email I'm going to get to. I like to try to get to at least one before I get my guest on or talk on some subject. And, uh, so I got this one. Yes, it's a short one. Oh, and it's right next to a please help me email. Oh gosh. So for those of you who do not know, when I get a please help email, usually when I open it, it's like, please don't read this on the air. I need help. And uh, oftentimes it's for a kid. So I'm, that's my wild guess. Um, And I, I, I'm, I'm fine with that. You guys, if you have a a story or something that you've experienced, of course, make it anonymous. Of course, you don't have to name yourself. Of course, you know, and and of course, I'm not going to charge you. This is, this is all about helping each other. You know, this is, uh, you know, I, I believe that we all came from the very same spot and we all shared a beautiful source of light. And, uh, I call it a love soup of light. And, uh, you know, it, we're supposed to look out for each other. And uh, I think, unfortunately, in society today and, and yesteryear and probably the future, a lot of people forget that, that we're connected. Um, personally, you know, there's people who they call, quote, sensitive. Uh, <laughs> I've now learned it's called synesthesia, where you feel the pain of others. Yeah, I know I have that. I, I do. And uh, sometimes it's overwhelming. Absolutely. And, uh, you ever see like a, uh, a, a movie and somebody breaks their arm, you go, Ooh, Ooh, ow. You know, you almost feel that, right? Well, I feel that too. And it's all of the feels. It's not just one little arena of it. It's just all of the feels. So, uh, if that helps explain it. So if I see somebody or hear somebody suffering in the face of these horrific things, And, uh, you know, as a medical professional, as I, as I am, um, you know, I can't help, but to want to help because it hurts me to know that I could possibly help. You get it? All right, cool. Uh, I can't imagine stopping and say, Hey, 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 hold on. Um, (laughs) oh, it's your soul at risk 50 bucks. (laughs) I just can't. I mean, I, 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 I'm cool. I understand, uh, people have to make a living and they do that type of thing as a medical professional. I t- would, I took a, a salary, you know? So, uh, yeah, that's the way society goes. But if I can have, uh, this little moment of making a difference on my own terms, well, hot diggity dog, I'm going to do it. Yeah. So anyways, let me get to this email. <laughs> I'm trying to explain my life. Uh, This one says, uh, "Dear Heidi, that's me." "Um, When I was around eight years old, my sister and our friend were walking and noticed a tall man with a top hat, dressed in all black, right behind us. Chills, everybody chills. Appeared out of nowhere. We were scared, and quickly made it to the grocery store where he followed us inside. Oh, heck no. Oh, come on now. That's out of sorts there. That's interesting. I don't think I've had anybody share Hat Man following them into a store. He's chased people. Sure. Got people right up to their front door. But to cross the barrier from outdoors, indoors, to a, a an area that there's other people, I don't think so. Huh. Very unique. All right. And they continue. The very first worker we saw, we told him. The employees actually helped look for him in the store. Well, that's nice. You were taken serious. You're young kids. That's awesome that everybody kind of rose to the occasion so they searched the store but he was gone whoa but you saw him come in wow this was in Iowa around 1984 whoa my gosh that's uh that's horrifying that's absolutely horrifying you think Oh, okay, everybody run. Let's run. We're running. We're running. We get to the grocery store and whew, oh, man. Oh, he's coming in. He's coming in. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. I look for help and he's gone. Can you imagine? How'd you like my reenactment? <laughs> I just, I don't know where, I don't know where that came from, but I just did that. Um, But that's, that's horrifying. I'm so sorry you had to deal with that. I, and this comes from uh Melanie. So I can't imagine that, um, that was a good, good, warm and fuzzy feeling. And you must've been in terror of anything like that ever happening again. You didn't go into much detail, which hello, I beg for details all the time on this show, everybody. All right. Just saying. Um, (laughs) but that is, um, yeah, that's, that's really, that's disturbing. I mean, everybody always (laughs) thinks when they're watching a horror movie, You know, it's like, run, run, you know what, don't fall, keep going, you know? It's like, uh, you know, you always think you'll know what you do, but it's like that barrier going into an area where there's a lot of people and you're still not safe? No, no, that is not in the horror movies usually. Usually, bad guy disappears before he crosses the threshold, you know? Um, Or somebody (laughs) uh, blocks the door, but he was in there. Mm-mm. no thank you not not cool not cool uh well i i hope that uh you never experience anything like that ever again melanie and thank you so much for sharing that see you guys could just share something brief like that that's that's fascinating like this is something i never heard of it's so simple he crossed into a store what never 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 i, I don't recall ever getting anything like that and this is just you know a few sentences so, look at... Uh, here comes a new pattern, everybody. Hat Man doesn't have to stop at the threshold. Crazy! Wow. Well, uh, so anyways, you guys, uh, I want to remind you, go to ShadowFolks.com or com. Tell me your stories. Tell me what's going on out there. You know, every other program, I try to make the show be all about your stories. And if you want to hop on this show and tell me your stories please let me know that in the email when you go to my website and if you have drawings if you have photos you are more than welcome to send this on over to us here too so Heidi Hollis at gmail.com that's pretty easy right h-e-i-d-i-h-o-l-l-i-s I think that's uh, that's pretty clear um <laughs> well the weather is changing over yonder where I'm at and it's not pleasant me no like the cold no uh uh-uh. uh. So, you guys stick around because we have Dr. Simeon Hine coming on to speak about strange happenings around strange things. Hmm. Uh, does that make sense? Strange energy. How about that? <laughs> All right, you guys, you are listening to Dark Becomes Light with me, Heidi Hollis, on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network.
0: I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff.
3: They collected $30 million. There were headlines about it. His company, Centratech, was one of the hottest crypto startups in 2017. It was going to change the world, until it didn't. He came into my office, opened my email, and the subject heading was FBI request. It was only a matter of time before the truth came out.
4: You can only fake it till you make it for so long before they find out that your Harvard degree is not so crimson. How could you sit there and do something that you know will objectively cause more harm in the world?
3: Listen to Creating a Con, the story of BitCon, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Listening to Dark Becomes Light with me, Heidi Hollis, on the iHeartRadio at Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. As promised, I have a fabulous guest. Simeon Hine, PhD, is the director of the nonprofit Institute for Resonance in Boulder, Colorado. The institute is devoted to the study of subtle energy sciences, including remote viewing, crop circles, and related subjects. Dr. Hine has a Ph.D. in sociology and has previously taught research methodology at Washington State University. So I'd like to welcome Simeon Hine to the show. How are you doing today there, Simeon?
4: I'm great, Heidi. How are you today?
2: Fabulous. My gosh, you have such a fascinating background. And uh, I, I, I always like to get to the bottom first. Like what on earth caused you to look into these topics as you do?
4: Well, I guess one thing was, you know, when I was 11 or 12 my mom and I went bird watching in the Everglades. She took me down there from New York and we saw a UFO uh right overhead that was really strange looking, you know, moon-sized with structure in it and uh it definitely got me curious. The park ranger didn't want to hear about it at the at the little get together that they have at park services at night, and uh, we we talked about it, but she just uh, wasn't really interested, and it sort of got my curiosity going at a very young age. You know what else was out there? Nice. And this is the early seventies, so yeah.
2: Oh, fascinating! So you got a really good look at this thing. Can you describe yeah. briefly what it looked like? I'm curious.
4: <laughs> yeah, uh we were we were bird watching and down there and I just looked overhead and I saw something that I thought was the moon because it was greenish colored. It was uh about the size of a full moon that you'd see this time of year, you know, as it's coming up over the horizon, but this was overhead. And uh it was amorphous, green like a cloud, but what we both had binoculars and we both looked at it and there was structure within the cloud a uh, perfectly round cloud. And then there was a, some serious structure inside that formed a Z actually.
1: <laughs> Are you <laughs> of, serious?
4: Like wow. Zeta, like of dots. And then as soon as we started looking at it, it picked up, it just started moving fast into a cloud nearby and was gone. And in my mind, I thought, well, what could that have been? We're near Cape Canaveral. Is Was there a rocket misfire, you know, some sort of accident? And then when we went to the Ranger talk, There was a blackout. So my mom raised her hand immediately when the ranger asked what people had seen that day, you know, out in the Everglades. And my mom said, we saw a UFO. (laughs) the, The ranger said, that's very interesting. Did anyone else see anything today? So she totally covered it up. And my mom even went up after the talk and said, no, we were were serious. And the ranger said, oh, you know, it was probably a weather balloon or something.
2: (laughs) They did not go there. That's just they did not go there.
4: And the people next to us on the bench at the amphitheater had also seen it. So I attribute that incident to getting curious of why we had seen something unexplainable. Even at the age of 11 or 12, I had heard the word UFO and uh uh, why we had, what we had seen and why the, the ranger wasn't interested in talking about it, given that, you know, we had both seen it. And um, yeah, so I think that's what happened. And then I didn't have much contact with any of these topics during school. I went all the way to Ph.D. in sociology and no one ever mentioned any of these topics. I mean, nothing, no remote viewing, no UFOs, psychic powers, you know. Yeah. any of the topics that we're all familiar with now on this show. I hadn't heard anything about it, but I had studied something called fractal geometry, and that is the study of irregularly shaped objects like trees and mountain ranges and hair and the way our lungs branch out, you know, branching natural-looking structures. And it did open me to the idea that there could be phenomena that science hadn't really caught on to yet since no one had really caught on to the applications of... Fractals it, uh, around 1990, it was still sort of a newer idea before it got used in things like JPEG pictures and satellite compression. Uh, it was just an interesting idea, but it, it did alert me that there were probably things that science hadn't picked up on yet.
2: Yeah, like the subtle energy sciences. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about that?
4: Right. Well, so shortly after get you know getting out of graduate school and I had been teaching statistics for a while, uh, at Washington State University, I uh, I moved to Boulder, Colorado, and I heard someone talking about remote viewing, the idea of remote viewing. And I was, you know, someone just straight out of grad school, uh, you know, partly skeptical, but partly open to the idea that there could be phenomena that we uh, hadn't, I hadn't heard about. And I, again, the, the idea of a chaos theory and fractals opened me up to the idea that there could be topics that would, not would be real, but weren't really being discussed, as I found within social sciences. So I took a class in RV, uh, and I was really surprised that within, you know, it was an eight-day class, I was really surprised that there were results that really showed me and everyone else in the class that there was some sort of subterranean communication channel that we were getting information from, our, our minds were. That didn't have any obvious logical explanation.
2: What do you think that that kind of uh, expresses? That we are all connected somehow,
4: right? It suggested that there was some sort of deeper connection between us and our environment. That information was getting exchanged, and you were able to accurately write it down or draw a picture. You know, you wouldn't see the tar- feedback photo until maybe an hour later or a half hour, depending how long the session went that you were getting this information ahead of time which suggested that you were getting information from your future or that your mind was like non-local i mean i really couldn't quite make sense of it back then in 1996 but i could clearly see i mean there this was data this was evidence that this non-local awareness was real and it got me interested enough to keep pursuing this eventually become a teacher of RV and get involved in this whole area of resonance as you, as it's called the kind of subtle energies, uh, non-local fields and so forth.
2: Yeah. It, it, for some <laughs> reason, when you're talking about like this, this, uh you know our future or something it's like like this fluid time thing like it's almost swaying back and forth where you could kind of poke your head a little bit get a little bit of that a little bit of this sideways backwards uh, it's it's uh it's fascinating science it's something I personally have not heard much of
4: right it's not something that we really discuss very much it's considered some has some sort of woo factor associated with it I mean it seems explainable in some ways, by quantum mechanics, the idea of entanglement and so forth. I mean, this has been, you know, quantum mechanics has been around for over 100 years. It's not like it's new, but the implications of it for us still seem like something that's new. And we don't have a lot of really good scientific coverage of all these topics related to this subject uh. Uh, at all. It's, it's considered to be paranormal or, you know, Supernatural. We have all these labels for it, but these topics all seem to overlap. And we know this because even the early research on remote viewing with Yuri Geller Mm -hmm. at Stanford Research Institute, you know, by Hal Puthoff and Russell Targ. You can see this in that newer documentary called Third Eye Spies, which is sort of a history of remote viewing uh, in the U.S., uh, there were strange things happening around Yuri Geller. I mean, the, the researchers would see cryptids and UFOs in their homes or in the laboratories where Yuri was working around. So even in the early days, we could see there's some sort of so unintended consequences of being around people that are doing psychokinesis and RV. Uh,
2: yeah, that's my next uh, question. It's like so you're you're able to apply this understanding to the occurrences of, of of cryptids, like a Bigfoot sighting and, and orbs. I mean, tell us a little bit about what that is uh, that you've been observing and what how you're testing this out. I mean, it seems almost impossible, but I, it's so new. I love it.
4: No, it's a really good question, Heidi. A lot of people who've taken my RV classes here in Boulder, and I started teaching it here like the next year in 1997. I've been teaching it for 25 years here in Boulder. Ever since I saw that, it was a really profound thing to be able to get this non-local information, describe things you haven't seen yet. I mean, it had really good positive benefits on people that I could see who had taken this type of training, just to become more aware of how you're processing information. But people that came to my RV classes, because I'm in Colorado, would talk about their Bigfoot sightings uh, over the years. And uh, you would run into people at conferences who would tell you about Bigfoot encrypted Sightings, And uh, even though it wasn't something I knew very much about, it sort of the evidence began to build and there was sort of a cumulative effect on me to realize that this was an important topic, that this was Heidi, that this was part of the topic in in an interesting way. In other words, it's not like something strange that just might be out there that sort of otherworldly beings or entities that we don't normally think of as part of our ordinary reality, they're part of this larger makeup of this field of energy information that we become aware of when we do RV and that people who are interested in RV seem to have these encounters. I'm not sure if because of these encounters, they got interested in RV. That could be what happened actually, but it definitely was part and parcel of being an RV instructor, which was to, uh, hear about this, also getting involved in crop circles, people would tell me about these types of encounters with beans that didn't have an easy definition. And eventually I realized it's just really part of, it's part of the phenomenon.
2: I love that you're open minded to that, because I find oftentimes that people who hone in on one angle of supernatural elements, uh, it's like a ghost hunter that makes fun of a UFO hunter, you know, and I'm like, come on, guys, really? You know, (laughs) what are we going with this? That makes no sense to me, because I I find so much crossover and so much uh, connectivity between phenomena going on that um, it's hard to put up the blinders, (laughs)
4: no that's absolutely true there's a lot of crossover and i had a conversation with jacques valet about this at one of the IRVA meetings since he was involved with the early rv program back in the 70s he's the one who suggested using coordinates to ingo swan and we were talking about this once and he said you know what they're not telling you is that a lot of people that have had ufo encounters And this type of contact with unexplained aerial phenomena also have psychic experiences even before the encounter.
2: Absolutely. Well, we got to get to our next break. We'll pick it up right there. So much to take in and decipher. This is so fascinating. You guys, don't forget to go over to HeidiHollis.com and also the OutlandersComic.com. I do a paranormal comic strip, so check it out. I think it's silly. I think it's fun. All right, you guys, you are listening to Dark Becomes Light with me, Heidi Hollis, on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. Stick around. We'll be right back with more Simeon time.
3: They collected $30 million. There were headlines about it. His company, Centratech, was one of the hottest crypto startups in 2017. It was going to change the world. Until it didn't. He came into my office, opened my email, and the subject heading was FBI request. It was only a matter of time before the truth came out.
4: You can only fake it till you make it for so long before they find out that your Harvard degree is not so crimson. How could you sit there and do something that you know will objectively cause more harm in the world?
3: Listen to Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: welcome back you are listening to dark becomes light with me heidi hollis on the iheart radio and coast to coast am paranormal podcast network i have simeon hein and we are speaking on the connectivity between <laughs> different types of phenomena from bigfoot to orbs and ufo encounters and and uh, simeon what you're saying it, it is so pronounced and and everything that I ever come across that, uh, you know, I'm speaking to somebody who's had UFO alien encounters and they're like, and by the way, I, I think I have a poltergeist. (laughs) I'm like, what, you know, and, and it's, they feel like they're going crazy. That human element, like it's just, um, it must be maddening to somebody who never thought to look into these topics to be slammed with so much. And you try to relate to family members or friends or coworkers, and they just roll their eyes. And and I find a lot of people are absolutely isolated and feel alone in this. So how do you teach your students and others that you come across in this field uh, you know, how to see that connectivity with what you're describing as subtle energy science?
4: Well, this is something that sociologists know about, Heidi. It's called hidden events. And it's not new. Sociologists know that there are things that people experience that they don't want to talk about for fear of, uh, you know, ostracism and ridicule. But what the UAP task force in their report last year, we're still waiting for the report as of this podcast for the the, the one that's due out now. Mm. But they identified sociocultural stigma as one of the main barriers to, you know, uh, pilots in the Navy and Air Force reporting their encounters. And so it's part of the knowledge within social sciences that there's reality beyond what people are comfortable describing to their peers and colleagues and neighbors. And this is what you hear all of, all the time with people who experience what we call paranormal phenomena is that they're afraid if they talk about what they saw out in the woods behind their home that they're going to get laughed at by their neighbors. And they do.
2: They do get laughed at. They, they do. And to me, I'm like, so what? You know, I'll laugh right along with them, crack jokes, but you know, I'm going to still talk about it. You, you, you have to, you have to. Hire, well, how are we you. can understand this, this world? You know, it, it doesn't make sense to me. Now there's a specific topic that you cover uh, when it comes to Bigfoot. And you are noticing patterns. We love patterns on this show. So, so, yeah, so we talk about patterns all the time. But you have noticed that there is something that happens right before Bigfoot encounters. Like, what what are we talking about? Right.
4: And this is exactly what we're talking about, Heidi. There's something that happens around Bigfoot encounters that also happens around UFO encounters, which is a strange sort of silence that descends on the area before people have their encounter with a Bigfoot or other type of cryptid. And many witnesses I've spoken to, they say it's just the eeriest feeling you could imagine because the whole area becomes so quiet. And this doesn't happen in every single Bigfoot encounter, but it happens in lots of them. The insects even stop chirping. They all
2: take off. They run for the hills. They're like, I'm out of (laughs) here.
4: Well, the insects normally you would. I mean, it's understandable that other mammals and birds might have a feeling of fear if they're around a really, you know apex predator, they might just True. instinctively <laughs> recognize that they're around something that could eat them. Right? right. Right. Well, what about crickets? I mean, you wouldn't think crickets would be afraid of Bigfoot. It's hard to find crickets, even one of them. They're so they're so good at being ventriloquists, Right. You're like, where's where's that sound? coming <laughs> Right. <from?"> well, imagine <laughs> you're around thousands of them. They know how to hide collectively by merging their resonance of their sound. Right. You can't locate them. So what it seems to be is some sort of shift in space time where these cryptids show up. I mean and this is what I'm talking about in dark matter monsters is these are not ordinary mammals, okay? I don't believe what we hear from anthropologists and so forth, even the ones who've spoken about it. This is not some uh, escaped gorilla or or primate that's just a relic primate that's extremely rare that's left over from the last ice age or something like this. I mean, we're talking about uh Beings, creatures that shift the structure of space-time. I mean, and, and in physics, it's called permittivity. It's the, it's the, the sort of the fundamental structure of of space. There's a fundamental electrical constant there, and that seems to change around UFO sightings and around cryptid encounters too, which would account for why yeah, their insects can detect this. This is what I'm sort of suggesting insects and other animals can detect this change in permittivity and it changes speed, you know, the way time works, the way the speed of light itself, uh, even Hal putoff we mentioned earlier, part of the RV program spoke about this in Las Vegas at the Irva SSE meeting. Uh, he gave us an entire lecture about how UFO materials. I mean, we're talking extraterrestrial materials as he implied, could change the structure of space time change the speed of light and so forth so it's just really interesting science that's behind this
2: yeah it's, it sounds like it now there's another element that uh, you're able to explain when it comes to this invisibility uh element when it comes to the bigfoot i mean what do you think's going on with that i mean this i've never heard of somebody try to explain how that may occur
4: right i know this is new for some people but these uh these Beings, creatures, whatever they turn out to be, they seem very human in some respects. Also, they're very good at hiding from us. Uh, they're very good at cloaking and creating invisibility, even teleportation and even though that might sound like science fiction, we know from looking at defense contractor patents that they're patenting this technology right now based on exactly what you said at the beginning of our discussion here, quantum phenomena, quantum mechanics. There are names for these quantum phenomena, ones called the Aronhoff-Bohm effect and you know, created in the 50s by physicists about how you can create non-local effects, how you can create teleportation and cloaking invisibility. So I'm suggesting that if defense contractors are patenting this, why would we assume that we're the first ones to figure this out on planet Earth? Maybe <laughs> the beings that came before us that figured this out find it to their advantage to be invisible, right? Maybe they don't want to encounter us all the time. I mean, we don't want to encounter each other all the time. Maybe they just <laughs> like to avoid us, for what, right? Oh uh, yeah. And look at the state of the planet. So maybe they say, look, we don't want to be in contact with humans most of the time. I think, honestly, these are beings. They're around us and they're extremely good at being invisible. I don't want to panic people or anything, but they're around. And if they want to show up, they can. And if they don't want to, they can go into other, you know, dimensional spaces, for lack of a better word, where we won't see them. They'll be there, but you you won't notice that they're there.
2: No, you panic people when you say and they're very hungry and they can hide. And, <laughs> <Okay.
4: you> know, <laughs> sometimes they are. OK, sometimes they are.
2: Yes, I've heard stories. It's like, oh, man, this is not a good thing. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, you know, it's it, when you think about moths and how they're able to blend in. So the birds don't get them. I mean, of course, right. you know, it's like uh, this is just natural. And but natural. It, yeah, it's kind of kind of spooky, though, to think that there is something that might be smarter than us. That's lurking. And yeah, it does get hungry. And yeah, it does hunt. (laughs) Yeah. You know, Um, so yeah, no,
4: absolutely. Yeah. Uh, No, Heidi, this is a really challenging topic to talk about. I mean, because it suggests and it's a big ego buster for I guess for us humans who think we're at the top of the food chain. Mm -hmm. Maybe we're not and maybe there's other creatures around that are more intelligent than we are in some ways at least in terms of their street smarts you know their forest smarts uh and that they're they're they can do things that you and I maybe can't do as easily you know like become invisible maybe they're natural pk artists you know people that i know that can do pk had to train for a while to do it Mm. And of course, we know of natural psychics, but maybe these beings just know how to do these things. They have these skills t- to an nth degree farther than we do. Don't have to take RV classes. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And if they existed like this, they wouldn't give their position away at all. Why would they? It wouldn't help them. Uh, it gives them an advantage to stay hidden. And by the way, we have some very good work coming from people that have worked at the Defense Intelligence Agency, James Lekatsky, who wrote that book, Skinwalkers at the Pentagon which I'm sure you've heard of. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, So he's talking about them seeing cryptids out there, werewolves, dogmen, whatever you want to call it, and then seeing it back when they went back to their suburban homes in Maryland, you know? (laughs) Uh, Like, it's not that it followed them home. I don't believe that. I'm not actually a believer in the hitchhiker effect. Those entities are around all the time. You just became more sensitive to it by going out there to this place like Skinwalker Ranch and studying these phenomena.
2: Definitely. You know, I think we might be their refrigerator or a uh, grocery store, for all we know. Um, <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> so disturbing to think about. But uh, I, in all honesty, I mean, you got to wonder because I, I, you know, I've i had regular folks that would come to my meetings and say, OK, so I never, ever experienced anything in my life. But, oh, my gosh, I was at a prayer meeting and I looked up and there's this reptilian sitting there in a woman's dress, you know, and it's like yeah. it, the way that, uh, you know, people get introduced to this, this real world uh, can really disrupt a lot.
4: <laughs> no, it's true. And, uh, you know, you're bringing back something I should mention is that one of the RV students I worked with back in the early 90s, even in the, you know, the early days of it, he said he went home and encountered a reptilian in his home. And at the time, you have to imagine 25 years ago, I had a little trouble understanding how the two could be connected, but now it makes a lot more sense. Is that this, there's other, you know, there's parallel realities around us. And most of the time you don't experience it, but sometimes it sort of bleeds through to our reality and doing RV makes you more sensitive to no, the other life forms. Yeah,
2: absolutely. I, I had a group that I ran for 15 years. People come just because they're curious oftentimes. By the next meeting, they'd seen something. So Mm -hmm. often. And and I'm like, you know, what is this is a contagion, you know? But like you said, you know, people become aware and uh, I don't know. They look into those nooks and crannies or and it looks back maybe, um, you know, (laughs) it's it's fascinating.
4: Right. I think it's going to be one of the biggest shocks to our society to realize that there are life forms around us that we haven't been told about, but they're there.
2: Oh, gosh. Yeah. I mean, our government taking the steps forward that they have. Uh, you know, I don't have a whole lot of faith in it because they're not doing it out of the kindness of their hearts. <laughs> There's an agenda. Everybody knows, you know, it's like, OK, hold on. You've harassed me and my friends for years and acted like nothing was going on. And all of a sudden, oh, guess what, guys? Look up, you know, oh, look around. You're required to report these things now if you're flying a plane. What?
4: Yeah. What? You mean uh-huh. it wasn't a weather balloon after all?
2: <laughs> yeah. All this hubbub, man. I'm like, oh, I don't trust. How it. about ice
4: crystals? <laughs> Oh, that's a reflecting <laughs> through the window. I know, Heidi, this is exactly what it's like. We've been creating what some, you know, I guess people in your profession called intellectual alibis, which are <laughs> excuses for not dealing with what people are really encountering, you know, and you could say it was just flocks of geese or something bouncing off.
2: I love that. I should use that. Uh, right, if We got to get to our next break. Intellectual alibis. Oh my gosh. All right, you guys, you are listening to Dark Becomes Light with me, Heidi Hollis, on the iHeartRadio. At Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. Stick around. We'll be right back.
0: I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, the Apollo Jim Murders, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpern. It's
1: just a shame, you know, that they took him from
0: us. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way. Knocking on doors listen to cold-blooded the apollo jim murders on the iHeartRadio radio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts
1: are you ready to fight back against crime hi guys nancy grace here host of podcast crime stories with nancy grace i've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims for a decade i prosecuted violent felonies Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. My name is
3: Johnny B. Good, and I'm the host of the new podcast, Creating a Con, the story of BitCon. Over this nine-part series, I'll explore the life and crimes of my best friend, Ray Trapani. I always wanted to be a criminal.
2: Welcome back. You are listening to Dark Becomes Light with me, Heidi Hollis, on the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. So I have Simeon Hine on here, and we are talking about the good stuff. (laughs) Intellectual alibis, you know. Um, You you know, something that you mentioned about uh, uh, natural psychics. So remote viewing is kind of playing upon our natural abilities, but it's not being a natural psychic. I have some good friends that are, are really like unbelievable. You know, their abilities are like not human. And I'm like, but and the remote viewing is just like a cinch for them. So how do you um, get people to a level of success with remote viewing to open up?
4: You know, it's a good question. Uh, there are some people that are naturals at it. And, and most of us need some sort of training. And the, the reason we need training is we're just so used to editing out our thinking. RV teaches you not to edit out your perceptions during a session. That's the main rule in RV. Don't edit anything out. And in the CRV system, the written system invented by Ingo Swan that I, I use and teach, you know, people, um, you're taught where to write things down on the page to separate signals from noise. and And the noise goes in one part of the page and the signal goes on another part. So it's it's learning not to edit out these ver- these perceptions that we get of non-local information are very subtle and they're pretty fleeting. They they disappear pretty quickly. So it's learning to be, like I say, like a psychic detective, of yourself, which is learning not to edit things out as much as we're trained to do in school.
2: Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Well, that is kind of hard to to turn off because that's all we do all day is is right? interpret our surroundings, what we're experiencing. But you're teaching them to let go, huh?
4: Well, write it down at least and don't judge it. And we'll look at it Mm -hmm. at the end of the session. You get to take a look at it and decide, is this part of the target or is this noise? But during the session, you don't know. So you just have to write everything down or you'll edit out all the the, the real target contact because it's very subtle. And uh, yeah, it, it's challenging people. You can do it. But I mean, ever since we were in first grade, I think we were taught to start editing and deleting things right. that don't fit our social consensus. That's what socialization is. It's not a bad thing. It's just a limiting thing. It limits our perception. And if you want to retrain yourself, you need to learn to listen to all of those signals that you're getting, at least during the session, you know, and then you're done with the session and you kind of become an ordinary person again.
2: I think I was like, drop everything you've ever learned, stop judging and yeah. just roll with it. Like, Oh sure. Like that's easy, but I could see why you need uh, instructions on how to go about right, that. Right. Yeah. Because that, that's not an easy feat for most people. Now the, one of the things that you cover, one of my favorite topics as well of the strange uh, crop circles. Yeah. Um, You know, there's there's, of course, a lot of fake ones, but then there's those authentic ones where, you know, there's changes. There's there's things that are left behind. And one of them, you're noticing an electromagnetic effect. What what are you finding with that?
4: Right. This was one of the real interesting findings. I I learned about crop circles because they were in some of our targets, RV targets. And I didn't know what they were in 1996. So I really thought I should go over there. I went on a crop circle tour and Uh, And this is something I've been doing ever since 97 going over there as much as possible, even giving my own tours. And we found that you get battery and camera failure around these crop circles. I'd heard about this, but I I wanted to see it for myself. And I've seen it in spades, multiple devices, you know, going, you know, giving you error signals, battery fails, just (laughs) kind of going on the fritz, as we would say, even even to the extent of camcorders melting on the inside when they're put down on a crop circle. And this has to do with the shape of the circle and something about its ability to organize the background energy that we're around. Even what I'd suggest, it's it's lensing and focusing dark matter. And so the crop circles did something I never expected, but I never would have thought that happened around cryptids, too. And it does. People report their batteries and cameras failing around uh, Bigfoot sightings, encounters. I've talked to some of these witnesses. So it's. Seen, I was really surprised that you get the same phenomena happening around both Bigfoot and crop circles, what you would think would be separate topics. Uh, so I would disagree slightly. It's not that the the ones that are man-made are fake. I mean, they're made by people, but they could have real energy, too, if the shapes are really precise. Oh, the spi- Yeah, because the artists that do that, and I got to know them, and I wrote about this in Opening Minds, my first book was that the circle makers that I met, I'm not saying they're all like this, were pretty serious about making circles that had what they called natural magic. So they even were aware that somehow the shape itself could focus energy and lens energy in an interesting way that you could feel in your body or certainly your camera and camcorders would react to it. So, to me, they're all real, even the man-made ones. If they're, you know, made with the correct intention and they have, you know, uh, precision to them, they're going to have real effects.
2: Oh, no, that's a, another thought, too. It's like, so the right intention. It's like uh, there's power behind words, even, and there's power against uh, the strokes of, of uh, uh, your guitar. You're a musician. Right. So it's like, right. you know, you can't right. feel the passion, Right.
4: Right. It's if it has a resonance, it's got the resonance. And and you know from the whole area called cymatics, I'm sure our listeners have heard of that before, that shapes can create energy. And energy creates shapes. And it is so it's sort of energy can change forms and it can do it through crop circles and patterns that are that shape. You know, Art Bell himself asked me years ago during one of these interviews, if we put smoke around a crop circle would it spot go into a spiral isn't it a great question
2: oh <laughs> has it been experimented uh to be i haven't
4: <laughs> actually done it out there in the fields there's just so many different conditions you're dealing with wind and you're on some farmer's land he they may not want <laughs> you out there very long but it's a- definitely a good experiment it's the right idea i think art had the right idea which is that the shape itself regardless of who made it. And I'm not saying that UFOs haven't made bunches of them because I've spoken to witnesses who've seen that something like that. They've seen flying disks and so forth affect plants right beneath them. So that that there's definitely a connection there and witnesses who've seen that over the years. But the people side of it was interesting. And even the human made ones had very interesting energy. We Heidi, we even made some ourselves paying the farmers ahead of time and doing our own experimental formations. We'd put a sign up saying, this is man-made experiment. And people didn't believe it. They said, no, it looks too good. Wow. You couldn't have made. Yeah, yeah. It, that's again the sociology side of it. Is sometimes we, all of us can get too rigid in our beliefs about any of these phenomena and think, you know, I'm right, and there's no way it could be man-made. But reality is always more complex than any of us sort of think it is.
2: Right, right. And what's this about a midwestern town that had some kind of short-term total electric magnetic collapse?
4: Well, what, what, I, what happened it's, there? It's, it's, So this is interesting in in researching these topics where you get these sort of shifts in space time and strange effects on cameras and batteries. Someone that worked in the Department of Defense told me of a story, which he gave me permission to share uh, in Dark Matter Monsters and, you know, in interviews that the the, the Pentagon has programs that monitor our airspace for weird electromagnetic signals. And he said that... Back in the 60s, they detected a town in the Midwest that had a complete electromagnetic collapse for 24 hours, where electricity stopped working, even in batteries and watches. And they never could explain it. He initially suggested to me they thought it might have been caused by a UFO over the town, but they could never determine what caused it. And they were, of course, alarmed by it, too. However, they monitor this. He didn't tell me how they actually (laughs) detect these things, but it was a small town. But he said all, you know, car cars wouldn't start and so forth for a whole day. And the people there must have really wondered what was going on, because this individual told me they didn't even call the town and tell them what was going on. They were just monitoring it from a distance, which uh, is sort of interesting in and of itself.
2: Yeah, thanks a lot, guys. We're paying your bills, uh, but we're not going to tell you what's going on over there. You're on your own. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Under the dome, and like, woo, Under the dome, yeah, can you, you know? imagine that? poke a stick at people that's crazy how would you explain that then like somebody like myself and there's others too that have experienced odd phenomenon we tend to blow things up i i just had a macbook pro do that to me Mm -hmm. i'm not kidding you two days ago it's brand new it's 30 days old thank god it's under the warranty so i had to return it and i'm getting a new one so but this is like constant my new iphone did the same thing my you know it's it's just a problem how do you explain that what's going on
4: there are a number of possible explanations, and Heidi, I've known people like this too. I was around a friend once who was really good at RV, and the glass just cracked right in front of her. She wasn't even touching it, and she <laughs> told me that things like this happened around her. And then I saw it, you know. But in cases like this, I mean, this has happened all over the world from time to time. E- even in the Soviet Union, they they noticed this happening—that strange things happening over towns, uh, gravitational changes that you know, that just could not be explained that lasted for a few minutes. You know, uh, Dr. Alexander Parkamov, who is a former Soviet scientist, wrote about this, and he uh, he suggested it was due to small black holes coming into the atmosphere, which, again, would affect permittivity structure of space. Well, that's, that's what, what they thought was happening over there.
2: I'm living in a black hole. Well, how can people <laughs> get a hold of your books and get more information about what you're doing?
4: Oh, thanks. Well, my blog is newcrystalmind.com, and I'm happy to send uh, Coast listeners, you know, signed copies of any of my books, Dark Matter Monsters or Opening Minds or Black Swan Ghost, which is about my contact with UFO witnesses over the years. Again, from RV classes and so forth, crop circles. So uh, feel free to go to newcrystalmind.com. Also, I do teach RV classes from time to time and have them online. So feel free to uh, focus on that to look into that.
2: Simeon Hine, thank you so much for coming on the program today. This was fascinating.
4: Thanks, Heidi. This is a lot of fun.
2: All right, you guys, we have come to the bottom of another fabulous program, I'd like to thank. Don't forget to go to my main website, heidihallis.com or ShadowFolks.com, and tell me your stories. Tell me what's on your mind. Tell me what you've experienced, Research your comments, questions, everything, okay? And we will deal with it together. Because that's what it's all about, and also don't forget to go to theoutlanderscomic.com and follow me on Instagram at theoutlanderscomic, and also most of my social media is at one Heidi Hollis. Send me a message there; I usually do reply. All right, you guys, man, this went so fast. You have been listening to Dark Becomes Light with me, Heidi Hollis, on the iHeart Radio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network. We'll see you next time. Stay safe, everybody. Goodbye. Well, if you liked this edition of Dark Becomes Light, wait till you hear the next one. You've been listening to the iHeartRadio and Coast to Coast AM Paranormal Podcast Network.